Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin, joined by Gordon. Not sure what episode number we are on, but it is good to chat again with you, Gordon. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, we are climbing up the episode ladder, if you think about it. I mean, we've done one every day since mid-February. I mean, before weekday. we know it, by the end of every yeah every every weekday before you know it by the end of the summer we're going to be at celebrating our hundredth episode. Who would who would have thought you you me and Lincoln hundred episodes? Who would have thought? Just three people with microphones and a dream. Before we get started, my normal foray into recapping the episode I wasn't on. You got to wear sunscreen, man. You got to wear sunscreen. I know that you've heard it from hey, your Dad. mom, but. You need to do that. It's gonna. I know people who later in their life have had issues with it. It's gonna be very painful for you. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but I will give kudos to you guys. You set the over under for Ingebrigtsen and this five k in Norway at thirteen thirty and ran thirteen twenty eight. That's pretty good. That's pretty close. I know. I was I was pretty bummed because I was like, oh, damn. I I was upset because the the he, he ran thirteen twenty eight officially, but the clock ran thirteen twenty nine. So I was like, mm-hmm. damn, like so close to winning that bet with Lincoln. Um, but of course Lincoln's you went gonna over. take that take that victory. And uh I went I went I went the over, he went with the under. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna call uh I'm not sure if I can I think I'm not sure if the timing is perfect, so maybe there should be an extra <laughs> there should be an asterisk to it. Maybe we kind of call this a wash on my my lost pick. His last half of that race was was very quick so you could you could probably say there might have been some shenanigans there um but again lincoln brought up a good point when joshua chapter guy smashes 13 minutes in a 5k on the road and then we saw what ronix kibrutu did in the 10k road times are becoming very very close to to track times so not altogether surprised that that jakob could run a 1328 and henrik not not far behind um, in the race with a, what did he go? 13-32. So he also beat the existing record. So Ingebrigtsen's now 1-2 in the Norwegian Road 5K all-time list. Do they have every record now? Like from 1,500 to up? Like 1,500 up? It, well, they don't have 10,000, I'm guessing. They don't. Has Henrik run a ten thousand before? And then Sandre Moen has the probably the marathon and the half marathon. But they have everything. They from certainly have. They have everything from fifteen to five. Yes. Right. They have the well, 15 that's a small. That's mile, a small group. Three, Fifteen mile, three k, five k. It's four yeah. indoor and outdoor. Double it. Make it. But eight. they need to go all the way. They need to go eight hundred all the way through marathon and include the steeple there. I think to if they want to rename the country. Ingebrigtsen away, which I think is what their goal here is, and then also be on their path to world domination and just maybe become their own country and compete at world championships as as their own entity and see how many medals they can get. I think in order to do that, they're going to have to to first get all these Norwegian records. What do you think about the? You and Lincoln talked about a little bit about yesterday, but just the the strategy of going so hard in a in a time when there's no no global championships, no standards to chase. I, I I, mean, I'm fine with it. I think that 
um, it's okay to go hard occasionally. You know, I mean, to the bot, like an athlete who's in their elite prime, healthy, is not supposed to not go hard for 365 days. Like they need to have peaks. They need to have things to, to go for, whether it's a race or a time trial. I mean, we talked to Nick Willis, which will be on the pod tomorrow, um, about mm-hmm. how like even if there's no race, you still need something. You need you need peaks. You need something to build up towards because if you just constantly stay like base phase, if you do base phase for too long, you might start losing some of your a, a little bit of your of your talent when it comes to racing. Like you need to have mm-hmm. these racing. You need to keep racing normal to you you can't make racing a foreign thing like it would be bad if like there's a athlete who's like waits till may of 2021 to put in a full effort in a race they'll be like by the time they try like they'll think about if you run your first race like your first hard effort may of 2021 that means you're going over like 13 14 months without a hard effort you're not right. going to have enough time to get yourself into racing shape. You're just going to be like, I'm fit, but I don't know how to, I just don't know how to race. You know, you need that. Mm-hmm. Like there's something, there's something different between miles and like hard efforts from, you know, 800 up to like the 5k. Mm-hmm. I look at it from the perspective of, Hey, I get it. If you don't want to race this year, you weigh that cost benefit analysis. Maybe you're an injury prone athlete and you use it as an off year, a down year, and you get ready for 2021. I also look at it from the perspective of how many years do athletes really have at this level to turn in prime performances to be the best in the world? It's not many years. Average careers do not last that long. And you don't want to waste time when you're healthy. So if you could do something like this where you still knock out a national record or you're still able to run a PR, you want to take advantage of that it makes sense that you'd want to race and not just wait because that's, it's not like you're going to get a one-to-one return at the end of your career. When you're 36, you're not going to necessarily get a whole year back because you took it easy in 2020. That's not the way the body works for everybody, except for Abdi Abdurrahman, of course, but most people, when they age, they age and they're going to be able to, to, they're not going to want to look back at, at 2020 and say, well, man, that was like, I was 25 that year. or I was 21 that year. or I was feeling really, really good. I ran really well the year before and I ran really well the year after. I wonder what I could have done that year. And that's what I was thinking about when I was watching those guys go for it in that race. Yeah. I mean, I did an analysis on the, the typical length of a distance athlete. Um, and the average length of a career is only four years. And it's four years at the younger side. It's basically ages 22 to 26. Like that is your peak. If you are good post 26, you are an outlier where you are like an all-time great. So there's people who are like that. But if the vast majority, if you're not good by, if you haven't done anything by age 26, you're not going to do anything post 26. And Mm -hmm. so, and that kind of extrapolates to even these great athletes where their physical best conditioning for the distance events 
for like speed based because I know there's great marathoners who are old, but for speed based stuff is that 22 to 26 spot. Now, sure, Jacob is 19 still, which is kind of crazy to think that he still has yet yeah. to turn 20. He's still a teenager, um, and he's you know an international great. I mean, I remember when did you? It's kind. It feels like Jacob just overnight became good to great. It's kind of wild, yeah. right? Because at first he was like this kind of cool, like, like, uh, what's the word? He was a novelty. Like, novelty, yeah. It was a great novelty. Oh, this young 16, 17, 18-year-old. Uh, look how good he is. He can break four. Ooh, what, what is he going to do next? But it all had, like, the caveat of, like, he is so good for his age, right? Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like, within the past year or two, it went from – his age doesn't mean anything anymore. Like no one talks about him being young because now it's not about that anymore. It's about him being the best in the world. You know, it's kind of like when Sydney was all about like, Ooh, junior records. Oh, for so young for being in high school. And then Sydney went from, doesn't matter that I'm young anymore. It's now about me being in this case, the second best in the world. Yeah. So, you remove kinda- the, you remove, you remove the qualifiers from it. You're, it's not this is the fastest time ever done by a 17 year old or 18 year old no he's setting national records he's getting titles in european championships for me it changed in 2018 at the pre not pre-classic the peyton jordan meet when he won that 1500 over centrowitz and paul chalimo that's when i thought of him differently and it's funny to go back and look at the headlines and it's like teenager stuns olympians and we were the ones writing those headlines but it's like a year later in 2018 that would not have been considered an upset in the 1500 if he beat any of those guys if he beat anybody in the world other than timothy chariot in 2019 it was not an upset and he had a legitimate shot to medal in the 5000 but it just went in this course of about a year from yeah this guy is nuts. He's he's really fast for his age. Too. You're right. He's fast in general. He's one of the best in the world. It's kind of interesting to think about how we do that, though, to these athletes. How we kind of create superstars based on their age qualifier mm-hmm. um, yeah. to kind of get more exciting about younger athletes. I mean, but then as soon as they turn a certain age. It's either they turn a certain age and we don't care about them being young anymore or they get too good for their age. It's kind of interesting how just the media and fans react to they just age is such an important factor for running. So it's just always there. And it's like, especially, I mean, you think about like Caitlin Tui, like she is, what she's doing is amazing. But as soon as Caitlin Tui becomes like a sophomore, it's, it goes out the window. It's gonna be weird. Yeah, like it's it, it's basically as soon as you become a sophomore in college, your age doesn't really mean anything because because you're not a junior by world standards. But then, yeah. But then as soon as you become a sophomore, everyone's like, okay, you're like it. You're like the rest of us. Yeah, that's a good point. Feel like, yeah, you kind of, yeah. I mean, think about it, like well, I, Brody Hasty. He was all over the internet constantly, like. Brody Hasty Mania, this, that, and that. When he was in high school, as a junior, he was almost breaking four. Then his senior year was all about Kenny break four. Then his freshman year, he was the freshman, and everyone talked about it. But as soon as he became a sophomore, he was just like a good runner. Even though he he didn't get well, worse, 
He just he got even yeah. better, but he just became, you know, the the expectation of a sophomore versus a freshman or high school kid is just so dis- different. Well, the field gets leveled, I think. And he's a perfect example of someone who's not at the Tui level of greatness in high school, but still one of the fastest high school kids of all time. And then the moment he steps on a college campus, he just is seen as a college student. How many co- we know we know how many high school kids have broken four in the mile. How many college freshmen have broken four in the mile? That's not a stat that anybody keeps for this yeah. exact reason. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting how we have that, even though what it's only a few days difference, right? Like, right. It's, sometimes it's like they're younger because yeah, some I mean, because most high school kids are probably breaking for late spring, early summer. You could you could argue yeah. right, and then yeah. most freshmen are probably breaking for freshman year winter so it's less than a yeah. year it's like six months difference and all of a sudden it's like uh who cares <laughs> you're six yeah. months older yeah not important no and i think within the running world in general we over qualify performances we put this is the fastest time in march or this is the fastest third place finish and then we also do it as you mentioned before with age right so the sooner we can get rid of those things, I think the better and the better person. Like if Sydney McLaughlin ran a world record when she was 17 years old, the headline is Sydney McLaughlin runs a world record. It's not Sydney McLaughlin sets a world junior record, right? Like that's it supersedes those performances. Um and it doesn't it hasn't gotten to those extremes, but I think the sooner you can look at someone like Inga Britson within the context of elite the top of the sport the better it just clarifies things a lot more and i think i was kind of slow to that because i'm like looking at how he's his world junior performances are but then right in front of my face it's okay this is a diamond league guy this is a potential medalist forget all these u18 u19 marks this is this is more important yeah and i i, I used to have that caveat on uh, mondo duplantis uh, yeah. My girlfriend Jojo followed basically was huge, like uh, like covered Mondo when he was in high school. And Mon- on mm-hmm. Mondo's, I'm not sure if he changed his Twitter bio. Let me check. Mondo Duplantis. Oh, he did the every year he broke the world record for that age yeah. group. His all age yeah. world records. Yeah. Let's see, if he, let's see if he still has that. So he's, he's a perfect example because he was the king of like, I'm really good for my age. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. So. His Twitter bio used to say, uh, six-year-old world record holder, seven-year-old world record holder, eight-year-old. <laughs> and it was like every year. I think yeah. he didn't have the 17-year-old world record or something like that, but he had like everything. But now that all means nothing because now he's just the world record holder. It's kind of... And the, and the ultimate garden class champion. And the ultimate garden class champion. But I remember like when I first heard about him when he was like, like a sophomore or junior... I was kind of like, that's cool. Yeah, you're the greatest pole vaulter ever under age 16. Cool. Yeah. Like, I was just not impressed. Yeah. And I was like, this is a reach in my mind. And then it wasn't until he started, like, being good against the pros and beating the Sam Kendrickses and the Renald Levinlany. Levin, 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 there you go. You got there. Yeah. That's when I started being like, oh, okay. 
it's 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 not just a, a gimmick. It's, it, these aren't gimmick records. He's now just a legit international, you know, vaulter. So I was I I I, I was when wrong the story on the, of his I, cur- I, I, yeah I was wrong to think that he he proved me wrong with bragging about his age group records. The age of like twenty or twenty one. So. Mm-hmm. When the story of his career is written, that stuff's not going to be in there that much. There might be a sentence or two about how good he was at a young age and how he started and he learned from his parents and they were great athletes and then they pass along to him. But the majority of that story is going to be him setting world records and him winning medals. And I think that's the case with all of these people that that turn into something as pros. Like if you if your career is one that people are going to end up writing about. They're going to be writing about it because of what you did usually after the age of 18 in track, not before. I mean, think about this, not to tie it back to basketball, but we always got to tie every Kevin Gordon pod back to basketball. But the last dance was a 10 hour documentary. What 20 minutes of it was about pre being on the Chicago bulls. Like he won an NCAA title. He was like, and he was great, right? But like, that's yeah. just a small part of your story. When you become an all-time great, your young years just become the exposition and aren't don't become part of the main plot. Even though in that moment you feel like this is their their main story, like you feel like yeah. what we like right now. We think what Caitlin Tui or what Nico Young did is like, or what Drew Hunter did in high school is like the main purpose of the story, but. You would think that if they have success by the time they're 35, their high school career is kind of just like a it's a chapter, mm. not not the plot. You know. Yeah. Well, the one exception I could think of would be Webb, but that's because his high school career was was so good, and then he didn't get the medal as a pro. He got the American record as a pro, but he didn't have that clearly defined moment. And you could argue that the best the most enduring moment, not as fast as time. And he probably, I don't know if he would even say it was his best moment, but the, the one that stands out the most is the three fifty three at the pre-classic his, his senior year. But you're right. Most people bolt was amazing as a junior, but you don't have time to talk about that because you just start in 08 and then you go all the way through to 2016. And you talk about gold medal after gold medal and world record after world record. That's what you, that's what you talk about. But he was, he was really fast as a junior too, and that makes perfect sense. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, real quick something we asked Nick Willis yesterday. Do you have a favorite mile race of all time or fifteen hundred race? A favorite? Ooh, I mean, my favorite is it. It involved a mile. <laughs> was the Penn Relays four by mile that I was on no, the call stop, for stop. with Lincoln? Stop. I mean, I'm just saying. Stop. No, it was don't. I don't, no, sorry, but no, you cannot be like, oh, this is. No, We've this talked is about this against the purity of the again. sport. Like they're not actually racing, but it, the, the uniqueness it of it on the <laughs> disgrace, the uniqueness of it, and the level. Pen relays is a historic event, and it happening in that it was. You'll never see something like that again, with That's with such the a- characters involved. Involved the greatest NCAA athlete of all time in Cesarek. That's an athlete, historic pro- not just track athlete. You're calling him the greatest athlete of all time? All sports? Greatest NCAA athlete of all time, yeah. Name a better NCAA athlete than wow. Cesarek. Wow. Wow. 
No one. That's insane. No, no one stayed Tim in Tebow. college all four years. That's a good. That's a good argument because he was good. I, don't, for I, a just, while. I just. I just. I just thought of somebody real <laughs> off the top of my head. There's no gymnast who won. There's no wrestler. I don't know. I liked. I like it from a track fan perspective. Go for it. Call him the greatest athlete of all time. I didn't know it was you and Lincoln on the call. I'm gonna go back and rewatch that one this weekend. Um, yeah. That's a terrible opinion. It's not even a mile race or a 1500 race. Uh, and, it is. And They're it running a mile. That good. But no, oh, come on. They're running all right. a mile. We're moving They're running on. a four by mile. We're, oh, well, are, well, what's we're your favorite on. mile you, race? You asked me this question. I gave you my answer. What's your favorite mile race? Uh, I like why the one that Nick said. I don't know, I want to give it away on the pod here, but that was that's my favorite women's of all time. My favorite men's of all time, 04, 04 Olympics, Lagat and Hishimal Garouge dueling. In the fifteen hundred is is great. The web race obviously is is awesome too. Those would be the ones that stand out to me. The web race, I mean the O one pre classic, just because it was so much hype and expectation. Um, did I do you see have Nick one Simmons? that probably I feel bad for liking because oh well not yet. I don't feel bad yet, but I watched it live. I was in Monaco in twenty fifteen or sixteen, but the, the race. That was kind of wild. I mean, she won by like 20 meters, but it was just watching that live and just seeing her so much better than everyone was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I know like yeah. there's a little caveat to it. I and then like, but at, at that moment, seeing someone run three, seeing a woman run 350 was pretty wild. Yeah. Well, watching both those, both those 1500s in Doha were really cool because they both were front running efforts, which we never see. So I was there, so I'm probably a little biased, but that was that was cool. Hassan's, I think we watched Sifan Hassan's from the stadium. Chariots, we were in the mix zone, but I believe we were in the stadium for for Hassan's, and that was pretty that was pretty wild to see that she ran it that way. Because you're just like that doesn't make sense. This is this is a championship race. Like why isn't it going out tactically? And she just took it to everybody. Uh, I want to talk about Simmons and his running on. What do they call these things? Bi springs? Bionic legs? What do you call these things that he got? His video. Should we, should we bring up a photo of it? We'll do we have a, a, photo? a photo? I'm sure we can find I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a photo. I'll send it to our producer. So, But yeah, bring, uh, give us a little uh, description of what he did. Well, he was trying to see how fast he could run if he became seven feet tall, I think, in a mile. And so he bought these, he calls them bionic legs. I don't know what the technical term is for them. And he ran and if the video is very entertaining, he falls down a lot. He falls down a lot. It is very hard to balance, but uh, needless to say, he, he's better at his, at his current height running the mile than he was with these things. Why? And they never looked really, did you why there would one think that that is a better way that can make you run faster? Did he, I didn't watch the video, but did he say why he thought this would be a faster way to run with these things? Well, just the, spring, the springing, the springing effect, I think, is the main the main thing. You can see it there. There's some there's some springing going on there. But yeah, the but your legs also like, are twice as heavy. Yeah, and that was the thing he mentioned the 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 weight of it it wasn't like the blades that the the super super light carbon blades that you see with some Paralympians but uh, 
yeah, he went for it, but that's a long way to fall. If you're seven feet tall, have you ever been seven feet tall, Gordon? Yeah, a few times. It's not okay. that bad. Did you ever fall down? <laughs> no, never fell. Undefeated. That's good. That's never good. fell. Uh, what do you? What Nick will? Uh, Nick uh, Simmons doing these bionic legs. He's 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 turned into himself into a YouTuber, right? Ever since uh, his his retirement in twenty. 17 he retired 2017 um what do you think yes. of his transition yes, of being going from an elite athlete making world teams running fast times being kind of a good track personality to kind of turn himself into this influencer instagram youtuber vlogger challenger type guy challenger is that is that yeah he, chal that he challenges word? people to races on in on youtube and stuff like that so yeah, I think it's a natural transition. He always, when he was competing, he was always willing to put himself out there and, and be himself. It makes sense that, that he would do this. I don't know enough about that world, as we've established on this show, to to go into great depths about the right or wrong way to do it. But I've watched a number of his videos, so he's at least hooking me in. Like the thing with the vapor flies, uh, where he cuts them open. Was was interesting because I wanted to see what was in there, or maybe did he have the did he have the next percent of the vaporflies? I can't remember. Um, this was entertaining. I watched when he challenged people for to race on Priest Trail for five bucks or ten bucks or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have fun. Have fun with your life. Why not? Right? Yeah, I love I love it. He's doing a great job at it. Uh, it's and it's hard to do. It's hard to be consistent with being a YouTuber concept. Like the, the YouTube, the YouTube life is very like demanding. Cause you feel like you always need to be creating something new every few days. And you always have to try to be one, one upping yourself and you, you're opening, you open yourself up for trolls and commoners. You know, you just have to have a thick skin and you just have to be really focused and he's done a great job. There's one, uh, I, I did tell him a, the idea you don't need to give me any credit i'm not sure if he's done it yet but this is what i want him to do i want him to go to like i guess it, we have to wait till quarantine is over and all that stuff went back to normal but him and like him and andrew weeding need to dress up in like otc kit or whatever the, the old, old school whatever kit like they're on the same team and then they need to have a baton and they need nick simmons needs to have a baton needs to go to like a local mall Nick Simmons needs to run up to someone who's like just standing in the mall walking saying stick 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 take 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 the baton and then when he gives her the baton or him the baton he has a point and say and then Andrew Weeding will be 10 feet down the down the hallway be like here 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 so it's basically forcing strangers to be a leg in their fake relay that makes sense because imagine if someone is running yeah. at you with a stick Say, take, 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 stick. And then they point, and there's another person just standing waiting for a stick, the handout. Yeah. And they're all dressed up in full track gear. It would be funny. Yeah. He should do it. It's funny because I've done it, I'd... and it worked. So that's why he should do it. Oh. Oh, okay. So you have some experience with this. This is just a way yeah. just to shoehorn your idea. Do you want to plug your YouTube channel while we're here? Is that no, no, no. I, I did it for an old company. I did it for an old video company. Uh, I'm not as talented and funny as nick so that's why i want him to take that idea and put it on a bigger and run skit. with it and run with it literally yeah 
No credit needed. What I understand, what I understand about YouTube is, and I said before that I don't understand about anything about YouTube or YouTubers, <laughs> is the people that are the most famous are the people who stream themselves playing video games and yelling about them in entertaining ways. And I'll just, I'll never understand that the entertainment value there. And I admit that I'm out of touch probably with a lot of that community. Well, here's the thing about YouTube. They're not the most famous. They just have, they, cause YouTube is just a bunch of different audiences. It's not one audience, right? You have an audience mm -hmm. that's very big that likes watching people watch video games and you're not part of it. I'm not a part of it. And we think they're the most famous, but they're just the most popular in the biggest audience. But there's other people who are popular in smaller audiences who are equally as yeah. famous. You know, it's like, you know, so that's why. So it's actually YouTube is not just one thing. It's like a, it's a it's a combo. It's a group of like 50 things. And Nick has found okay. his way to be up there in the vlogger thing. Right. He's like, yeah, he's moving up the charts in the vlogger world. And so. He's not competing with the video game people or like the politic people gotcha. or the podcast people. I mean, we, gotcha. we, we, we compete with the podcast people and we're not doing a really good job because we don't put this podcast on YouTube. We put it on Flowtrack, mm -hmm. which you guys can check out flowtrack.com slash podcast. How, what, don't we have a URL for this? <laughs> you well, almost did it. it. Flowtrack.org slash Flowtrack podcast. Shouldn't it just be flowtrack.org? Slash podcast. slash podcast. Okay. So just well, slash that's, something podcast. that's where you, something you can work on with, uh, with the Travis and figure that out. Thanks for listening guys to this podcast on May 21st, 2020. Remember to email the pod flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Stitcher, Spotify. We're joining like Joe Rogan did all the great podcasts, iTunes also on the website, flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. You know the deal. You listen to it every day. We'll see you guys tomorrow.